a long view of a lab full of specimen jars. In each of them, a writhing swarm of gray mist presses and roils against the glass. Some of them form hands, some of them crude mouths, and others staring eyes. In them, we can see our heroes reflected against the light of an open door. Kieran, a hand to their mouth, Stellar, sword in hand, and stagehand, turning to look at a shadow standing in the doorway. Hindsight, issue 10, the day it happened. Welcome back to Hindsight's Bronze Age, where last we left off, a heist had been foiled by our group of, I am sure, very heroic kids. I want to pick up with Kieran. When we left you, you had just kind of shoved a cloud of nanomachines back into this case that was being handled by Dr. Virgil Cassiano, and inside of which you now know is a swarm of nanomachines that is at the very least related to the ones that are currently wrecking your future. So the question, Kieran, is what are you up to at the moment? Tailing that doctor if I can. At the moment, he's actually talking to the case. He's like punching something in on a little pad that he's holding and sort of talking at it, not angrily, but like frustratedly. You were supposed to work. This was your big debut. And you got stage fright, I understand, but that's not acceptable behavior. It almost sounds like he's actually trying to converse with it. I want to walk over and maybe like about two or three feet away, kind of crouch down and just look at this doctor and just say, is everything okay? He startles a little bit and then looks back over his shoulder at you. I'm what? Yeah, yes, no, everything- I'm sorry, who are you? Kieran. I don't think we've met, and he is looking around, there are a couple of Kobe agents that are detaining the goons that uh, the group of you had restrained, and he looks back over at you, you're- you're not with us, were you on the scene when this all started? Can you tell me what- did you see the- did you see the cloud malfunction? Did someone do something to it? Um, I'm not sure if anyone did anything to it. I'm not really a tech person, so... He kind of nods and looks back down at his pad. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm I'm sure we'll be quite appreciative of your assistance here. Was there anything that I could help you with? Just wondering what, like, you were trying to do with those, like, with the cloud. And I think I would like you here to pierce the mask. My mundane's a zero, this will be fine. <laughs> No one here is help. No one's here to help me. Oh wait, shit! Is that a one or a six? That's a six. I actually rolled a twelve. Nice. Uh, so you get three questions off the list. Uh, so what are you really planning? What do you want me to do? What do you intend to do? How could I get your character to blank? Or how could I gain influence over you? Where you want to start? Yes, all of the above. No, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to start with what are you really planning? He looks uh, at you, and he kind of looks a little bit. Almost like, hey, why is this kid questioning me, right? He looks a little irritated. But then he starts, you know, punching things into his pad. You wouldn't understand. Neural transmitters, they're supposed to shut people down, but not harm them. It's a non-lethal takedown. Okay, my next question is, how could I gain influence over you? He is obviously very concerned about this. 
if you can help him, you know, fix this thing, you would definitely have his gratitude. And I'm not sure if I want to ask a third question or save it. Okay, let me save it because first I want to do a thing. Yeah, that's fine. So are they still, like, is the machine now just malfunctioning or is it still my powers that are holding them in? At the moment, it seems like you shoving it back in its case has kind of gotten it stuck. So you don't have to, you know, focus on it. It it seems like it's jammed. Okay. So then I want to, like, step forward, but, like, in a very awkward way. Like, like Kieran is still crouched, but they, like, do that weird thing where they step forward while being crouched. And then, like, press a button, but use my powers to unjam the thing. Uh, so I think, yeah, I'm going to have you unleash your powers for that. Okay. That is a nine. So on a seven to nine, uh, you can mark condition or I will tell you how this is unstable or temporary. I'm going to mark insecure because I don't know if I am currently helping prevent my future or making sure my future happens. So what does that look like on the page? Kieran like touches one of the buttons that he had been previously like messing with. But obviously, like, they're they're not doing it because they're actually trying to work the machine. They just then force the machine open with, with their telekinesis. And then they look up at the doctor and be like, hey, I fixed it. There is a move in the Harbinger playbook that I think we should roll at this point. Would you like to explain that to us? Okay, so it's called Connecting the Dots. So the start of session part of connecting the dots is at the start of each session when time or when time passes, roll plus savior to find out how your investigations into the timeline have been going. On a hit, choose one figure noted above or one aspect of the future world you can remember. You found a lead to follow to learn more about how the present version of that figure or aspect become the future version. On a 10 plus, the lead is particularly strong. And then on a miss, you're lost in the present. We'll deal with the details of those things when I roll. 8 plus 3, 11. On a 10 plus, the lead is particularly strong. Right now, you can ask the GM one question about the figure or aspect, and they will answer honestly. Is there, like, any sign that Dr. Cassiano made these for a less than noble purpose? Yes, absolutely. Because since you've seen him, he seems familiar, and you're kind of struggling to pull up who this is. And then it hits you. In the early 2000s, there was a fairly large cybercrime that was committed by a rogue AI. That AI was created by Dr. Virgil Cassiano. And when I say large, I mean it crashed like 14% of the global economy inside two minutes. So if I can use the last Pierce the Mask question, I want to look at him after I press the button and open the box and say, I fixed it. I would like to ask, what do you want me to do? As he starts checking on his pad to see whether or not you have actually fixed it and kind of confirms that it is in working order, he's kind of talking to himself. Huh. I still don't see why this would have malfunctioned this way. Why did you... And then he kind of looks back over at you. I'm sorry. If I could ask for your assistance one more time, do you think I could do a test run of this? Would you Would you be willing... I promise you this is completely non-lethal, but it will incapacitate you for several minutes. He wants to test it. He wants to test it on me. He's asking uh, if you would allow him to. You don't think that this is anything where he's like going to if you don't say yes, but he's trying to troubleshoot. Right. Don't trust him. Okay. Kieran stands up straight 
takes a step back and I am torn. God, just dealing with future stuff is hard because part of me wants to say yes and then like fight against the things and make them malfunction again so he has a problem. But then that might make him go back to the lab and make them more terrible. But then also if it if I fail to do that, and then what if they like find out about the future version of the nanobots that I have and that influences the thing? Oh god, there's so many aspects. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you want to take a moment to think about it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I think from there we pan over uh to Stellar. Olivia, uh, after helping shuffle a bunch of these goons into a helicopter, which is now starting to take off, Olivia heads over to you and just like scoops you up in a big hug and goes, Hey, I, I saw I saw a little bit of the uh the tail in there. Good good job there. And she kind of looks around and then like reaches into a pocket. I got you something. And she hands you off a uh, a little keychain with a star on it. Oh, Soto takes it and like you can just see that she's beaming. Oh, this is so sweet. Thank you so much, Olivia. And, and she kind of like blushes a little bit. Oh, it was nothing. I just I just saw it down at the corner store and I, I it reminded me of you. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually want to move from there uh, into a flashback because I wanna I wanna see how Stellar and Olivia met. Ah, yes. Would you mind telling us how that happened? Yes, I think in the past I remember we talked about this. Olivia was actually a fan of Stellar because Stellar has connections to Kopi when Stellar started using her powers during her performances as a pop star the Kopi kind of was like hey you're a powered individual and she was like yeah so like she's been working with them but she really didn't associate too much with the people up until she was about 18 around that age and i like to think they first met at a concert of Stella, like maybe Olivia and someone else from Kopi were invited backstage. Maybe like working like guard detail or security, something like that? Yeah. And then I think uh, because this is Kopi and you are a superhero and this is a concert, somebody definitely attacked it. Uh, this is, there was definitely, because like superheroes never get to just have dates. It's always a villain thing. Yes. <laughs> and I would like to establish, do you have an idea of who that villain might be? Maybe it was a villain with like sound-based powers who was also trying to make it big in the show business, but Stellar, like they're jealous of Stellar. And so he just got really mad and decided to attack Stellar's show. To, oh, like, yeah. No, I like this. This was definitely some kind of like proto-dubstep kid yeah i think we just call him noise machine and his his entire shtick is that he's got like these white noise generators that shut off sound so in the middle of your concert like it just goes dead silent and then you have to fight this guy and olivia definitely jumps in to help and then kind of afterwards you two get coffee and the rest is history yes and as we come back up you can definitely see that Kieran is talking with Dr. Cassiano and that they are working on some sort of little case that you saw, you know, this cloud briefly come out of and then go back into. And Olivia has just given you this keychain. And I guess the question is, what are you doing at this point? I think Stellar like hooks the keychain like onto her uh, little belt for now. And she's looking over at Kieran and she kind of leans close to Olivia and be like, I hope it's alright to ask, uh, what is going on with that briefcase and what was coming out of it? Olivia kind of leans up against a piece of rubble. You know what? No, it's the van. She leans up against that van that's on its side. 
and just crosses her big beefy arms. He goes, oh yeah, well, uh, Dr. Cassiano has been working on some non-lethal weapon systems for us, and that's his latest one. It's supposed to be some sort of, like, nano-neuro shutdown. I'm not really sure about the technical specifics of it, but it's supposed to basically be like a stun gun, but a cloud. Is that safe? I mean, safe enough. It doesn't actually hurt. It more just kind of makes you real tingly and, and wobbly. Oh, that could be pretty useful, especially if there's some big threats out there. Oh yeah, I mean, if he could ever get it up and running. And she kind of looks over at him. Poor guy's just having a real bad time of it. Yeah. Would Stellar know about Kieran, like Kieran, that Kieran has... The nano. I'm going to say that's probably up to Kieran. So, Kieran, would that be something that you have shared with your teammates? I'm going to go with no on that one. All Kieran right. would not openly share that they have a nanobot virus in their brain. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> well, I hope he can figure it out. It looks like Kieran's helping him. Kieran's pretty smart. I think they'll be able to help. And Olivia just kind of like... You know, looks back at uh, at them, looks over at you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure they're gonna you know do a real good job of it. She looks across the square to where there's a couple of shops that are starting to open back up. Hey, you want to go get uh, like a drink or something? Yeah, you know, it's been a while since we were able to spend time together. We're both so busy. I would I would love that. Yeah, and and she looks at her wrist where there is definitely no watch. Yeah, no, good timing. I just got off shift, and she kind of <laughs> hooks an arm with you and walks across the square. Aww. And at that point, speaking of dates, <laughs> hey, stagehand, how's it going? Hey, I'm a, I'm a chase and a cute person. Yeah, so Wolf Spider uh, and you kind of had a little bit of a moment. You initially kind of left close together. Wolf Spider at this point, I want to kind of come in in the middle of this, has some sort of a magnetic grappling device that they have used to take to a rooftop. Of course they have. And how is stagehand chasing? Well... Luckily, one of Stagehand's powers is gadgets. <laughs> Useful. <laughs> so actually, I think because Stagehand also wears protective wear, and she has a lot of her gadgets either just like attached to her or what have you. So I think she has kind of one of those, like for lack of a better way to describe it, like the Monster Hunter grappling hooks that are like the wrist-mounted grappling hook. Nice. And it doesn't have quite the benefit of being magnetic, but... She also is connected to it, and so she's trying to use that to get up and follow. Uh, so for that, I would like you to unleash your powers. That makes sense. That is a seven. So I think we know how this works by this point. Do you want this to be unstable, temporary, or do you want to mark a condition? I think I'm going to mark insecure, because like I'm struggling here a little bit to keep up. Yeah, no, and that's... like Highwire trained me better than this. Uh, speaking of Highwire, I would like to get kind of a quick panel flashback. What kind of training did you and Highwire do for this scenario specifically, like rooftop chases? So I imagine Highwire in her retirement, because I just imagine she has lots of money in her retirement because she somehow got the fortune back from her oil baron family, has like just a huge like circus tent somewhere, like within Apex. Or maybe it's ooh, it's a circus warehouse because we know Apex love its loves its warehouses. Yes, I like it. It's a it's a modified warehouse. Yes, and so um, she mocked kind of like this sort of scenario up for me using like different like trapeze platforms and stuff like that. 
And so there's like the high wire between some places to be like, oh, that's supposed to be like an electrical line, stuff like that. And she turned it into an obstacle course. And as you are coming back out of this just brief panel flashback, we see Wolf Spider swing around the corner of a building and then tuck and roll into an open window. Crap. Well, at least I'm not doing the breaking and I'm only doing the entering. Okay. So you're going you're gonna to follow? Yeah. As you swing into this uh, this window, we see that the name on the building is Wilson, and this is an upscale uh, housing building, so it's like all condos, not like apartments, right? All right. And this is pretty high up, so whatever this condo that you're swinging into, this is someone who's got a little bit of money. And as you swing in, you find yourself in this wide, uh, very nicely carpeted room with a big circular couch around a coffee table, and Wolf Spider is just sitting on the couch... Uh, kind of reclining. What do you do? Try to look cool and not like I just struggled a lot to keep up. <laughs> is, is that working? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm trying. Uh, so is this where we're having coffee? They shake their head and kind of, no, this is where I'm changing clothes before we go have coffee. <laughs> I do not go out in public like this. Why? It's such a nice look. Yeah, no. Make yourself comfortable. And they stand up. And kind of like reach at their neckline and uh, pull that that mask off their face. And you see under the mask a dark-skinned young person with like the spiky blonde hair that is very obviously their actual hair, obviously very dyed. And they just kind of like throw the mask onto the couch and then head towards a room in the back. Won't take me but a minute. So you find yourself alone in apparently Wolf Spider's condo. What do you do? I will say this as well. They look to be... Maybe your age, maybe even a little bit younger. They're definitely in their teens. All right. Well, A, I appreciate the fact that we have the same aesthetic. We look like we match. So I think, like, this is probably a dumb move. I'm going to trust them that they're just changing. And while they're back there... Uh, we get, like, a couple of panels of Mallory kind of, like, taking some of the, like, armor, her, like, wrist guards, um, knee pads and stuff like that off, but at the same time, very surreptitiously, like, looking around the condo, trying to assess the situation. I was actually going to say, this almost sounds like you're trying you to, pierce to pierce the pierce mask. pierce the mask? Yeah. All right. I can pierce the mask instead. That's okay. I'm just better at assessing. Yeah, it's just the, some of the questions on assess wouldn't really apply here, right? That's fair. All right, let's see how that goes. That's a five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I want to get a couple of panels. So what particular part of this uh, house are you looking in? Are you just staying in this living room or are you kind of like wandering around? You know, my parents raised me well. I'm just kind of staying in the living room. There's not a whole lot in here that would tip you off as to what kind of person this is. Everything is very, very nice. Like that couch probably costs more than your house. You you see like crystalware, you see paintings on the walls, and as you are, there is one on an end table that catches your eye in particular, and as you are picking it up, you hear this like soft clearing of a throat behind you. Oof, I got caught. <laughs> yep, and you turn around to see Wolf Spider, now in a button-down shirt, suspenders, little bow tie, and very, very nice brogues. Ah, so now I look way too grunge. And, and they walk over to you and just gently pluck the picture out of your hand. And as we pan off the scene, we see that it's a picture of plain clothes Wolf Spider and Eliza Highwire, your mentor. Oh! 
Interesting. And I want to get back over to Kieran. Have you made a decision? Yes. It was a very difficult one, but I'm going to try and provoke slash manipulate him. So basically, when presented with the um, chance of having these nanobots tested on them, um, Kieran stands up straight, takes a step back, and says, I'm not crazy about being knocked out in the middle of, like, the city for even if just for a few minutes. Um, can we maybe go to, like, your lab or somewhere, like, safe and private instead? I think that is a pretty solid provoke. And it is worth remembering that you did help Dr. Cassiano fix his nanomachine, so you do have influence, which means you do get a plus one on this. Oh, nice. Okay, so that's overall plus two. And I rolled another 10, so that's a 12. He he nods. Yes, that sounds uh, perfectly reasonable. And he kind of looks around. Hmm. Well, I was going to have Olivia call us a car, but that's fine. And he uh, taps a few things into his little proto-iPad. And within a few minutes, you can hear, you know, a car approaching. And he reaches out a hand towards you. I'm sorry, I've been terribly rude. Dr. Virgil Cassiano, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Are you going to shake his hand? Very cautiously. <laughs> yeah, he definitely notes the caution, but nothing sinister happens. He just shakes your hand. <laughs> just just take it as social awkwardness, Dr. Cassiano. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. No, I mean, there was just, you know, a big deal here. You know, a tunnel got collapsed. Things happened. I've been awkward this entire conversation. This is nothing new. The vehicle that shows up is like a Black Humvee style vehicle with the uh, Kopi insignia on the doors and two uh, Kopi agents in the front, one driving, one in the passenger seat. And Dr. Cassiano grabs his case and hops in the back, and I'm assuming you get in as well. Yeah. And we get a couple of panels of this vehicle traveling through the streets of Apex City, past Apex University, towards downtown, and you can see the Heron Towers uh, kind of in the distance as you're traveling. And I would like to get one more flashback with you, because the Heron Towers at this point in time are five very pristine, very regal-looking buildings that are all connected to each other by this series of walkways. And we move from those panels to the exact same buildings, but at this point, only two of them are still intact. The other three are very damaged. That system of walkways is just gone. One of the buildings is actually leaning against the, the big central building. And we get a scene of Kieran picking through the rubble of the future, and we see a group of people with circuitry lining their faces moving in unison. There's probably 10 to 12 of them. How does Kieran deal with coming very close to a group of hacked individuals? Kieran tries to get away as fast as possible because they don't want to get sucked into a swarm. You scrabble up, you know, some debris, and you can see them moving towards what used to be a very nice-looking building, and it's this steel and glass pyramid. Most of the windows at this point are broken, part of it is collapsed in, but that's the ruins of the old Kopi HQ. And you know that inside there is a very strong source of this signal that, for lack of a better word, unites all of these hacked people. And you've never gotten close to it because most hacked don't, because it's a good way to get yourself part of a swarm. And as we come back to that Humvee, we see that you are approaching the very pristine, very shiny, uh, very intact Kopi HQ pyramid. And at the moment, you do not feel that signal, but it's kind of a thing that is definitely in the back of your mind. Yeah. Do I have a way to communicate with the rest of the team? Did anyone buy me like a phone or anything? 
I actually want to defer that to uh, to Stagehand, because as part of your protege thing, you get a couple of things that your mentor has given you. What things did your mentor give you? I did pick up a weapon of last resort, because that's smart, a hidden base, and communicators. Nice. And what form do these communicators take? I think we made some joke about them being pagers and that like stagehand is the central telepathic who manages all of it. But because I can't read Kieran's mind, I don't know if we got Kieran like a prototype cell phone or something like that so that Kieran can just get a hold of stagehand. I am 100% on pagers because like pager speak was a big thing back in the 90s. <laughs> yes. I am all in on that. So I think you definitely have a pager. So you can send messages. Okay. Thanks for clarifying, because I was a baby in the 90s, and I don't know how pagers work. Yeah, they, they take a long time to type on, so a pager shorthand kind of developed. Okay. It was a big thing. Okay, so then I just want to, like, page the others that I'm going to the Kopi Pyramid. So I would like to move back around to Stellar at that point. You're sitting in a little cafe. Are you having like a coffee or a tea or what kind of thing are you having at this little cafe? Sutter actually hates coffee. So she is drinking tea. Olivia is a big fan of hibiscus. Uh, so she is having a nice hibiscus tea. I don't know if fancy teas where I would name one. <laughs> that's fine. There's like little snack cakes on the table, obviously, because, you know, that's yes. how you do. And I think the two of you have just been having like a nice little tea date and kind of catching up. And... At that point, your pager starts vibrating, and uh, you kind of look at it, and you get that message. What do you do? Stellar is a bit confused, because she's not sure why Kieran's telling her that, unless unless they think there might be trouble. So Stellar sends a page back that says, Is everything alright? Why are you heading to Kofi HQ? So Kieran, do you have an answer for that? Or are you just going to leave that kind of on read? Don't leave me a read. <laughs> To be fair, Stellar would never know it's a pager. <laughs> <laughs> Kira's she going to it. type back, like as long as they can do this without uh, Dr. Cassiano like reading it, um, which shouldn't be a problem, but still, future villain. I was going to use some like shorthand, but I don't know if like all the slang and like shorthand I can think of is like stuff from now. Like I don't. Oh, that's that's fine. You can okay. you can use modern stuff, and we can just assume it's the equivalent. Okay. Or then again, just like. Kieran's from the future doesn't know what people use then. That's true. Um, you could just be using future slang. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, Kieran's going to be like, future villain NBD. What does NBD mean? <laughs> <laughs> Olivia kind of like sips at her tea and she looks thoughtful for a second. Nanobot? Um, I don't know what the D would stand for. <laughs> so stagehand. I got caught snoofing. You did, and now your pager is going off, and Wolf Spider kind of like gently sets the picture back down and looks over at you. You gonna you gonna answer that? No. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, stagehand literally just blurts out no, like it's a very like bold in speech bubble. <laughs> they look very very amused at that, and they put their hand up to their chest and kind of like, oh, spicy. So I guess we're on a first name basis, and uh, they look over at that picture. Hi, I'm Desi. Mallory. Nice to meet you. You too. And they head over and close the window and then look you up and down. Are you wearing your working clothes out or do you need a change as well? Because I think I could probably fit you in something. Stagehand just turns like bright red because like Stagehand thinks she dresses kind of fashionably. <laughs> well, yeah, but like like hero clothes, right? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, because stagehand, like, literally just wears her, like, combat boots and, like, plaid skirts and fishnets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, like, throws on knee pads and bracers and stuff, which she already took off. So It it is worth remembering, uh, Wolf Spider does not know that. Uh, this is, and, like, so stagehand does that awkward manga, like, rub the back (laughs) of her head thing. Uh, these are the clothes I normally wear. And they kind of nod at you. Bold choice. I like it. And they lead you towards the door out of this here condo. I'm sorry for following you home. Not sure I'm actually sorry, but I feel a little awkward about it. Look, you kept up with me, and I think that entitles you to at least a look around the place. I'm not going to get too upset about you, Snoop. And to be fair, I would do the same thing in your position. Fair. I got one, one point of business to take care of. Uh, before I am free for the evening, I gotta go get the rest of my payment from my employer for this job that I just pulled. You are more than welcome to tag along if you want. Sure, if you'll have me. They open the door and lead you out to an elevator. On the way down, I would like to move back a little bit to Mallory meeting Highwire. The first time? Yeah. <laughs> because as you may suspect... Uh, Wolf Spider has a history with uh, Highwire, and I think we would like to know a little bit of your history with Highwire. So how did Mallory become Highwire's protege? Um, so Mallory is a huge theater nerd, um, and she does, like, backstage stuff. Like, she's all about the special effects. But back when she was, like, 14 and, like, just getting involved, she was doing her time doing ushering and stuff at one of the local theaters. And Highwire was there for a Cirque show that evening. And Mallory kind of, like, halfway blackmailed, halfway, like, bribed the usher who was supposed to take care of the VIP that night to uh, switch with her because she was a huge Highwire fan. And then kind of sort of stalked Highwire for, like, a year until Highwire would take her on as her apprentice. And we come back from that as the two of you enter a pretty upscale little downstairs bar area. There's obviously alcohol being served here. The both of you are obviously too young to be in here. And as Desi walks in the door, they just kind of wave over at the bartender who nods at them. And then they head to a little back room with you in tow. Uh, Obviously, people know who Desi is. I'm so out of place. You do get a couple of looks. Like, Like, there are definitely people like, who is this? I am like a punk grunge goblin, <laughs> feeling just very weird right now. You do hear one of the uh, waitresses who is like kind of bussing a table look over and go, again? Uh, as the two of you head into the back room. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> right? And as you enter the back room, there is a little speakeasy style counter at one side. So, like, the bartender at the front can kind of move around to the back of this without having to cross anything. All right. And there is a little corner table. And at that corner table is sitting a guy that we, the readers, have seen, but you, stagehand, have not. This is a man in his probably late 20s at this point. He's wearing a tweed jacket and a bright green bow tie. And he has a immaculately waxed mustache and a top hat and a monocle. And as the two of you enter, he pulls a little uh, pocket watch out of his jacket pocket and flicks it open and looks at you. You're two minutes late. Who's that? Desi kind of looks over at you. Oh, that's, that's just, you know, Mallory. Don't worry about it. And they go over and sit down at the table. What do you do? I want to put a face to an name. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a move that you have here. Uh, 
but there is a protege move that might help you if you took it. I have been reading the files. (laughs) How about you roll plus superior? (laughs) All right. So, yeah, so I have been reading the files when you first encounter an important superpowered phenomenon, which this definitely looks like it. Roll plus superior. And that is a seven thanks to my superior. Fantastic. This is, of course, Professor Hamilton Paradox. Time traveling thief. Just all around doofus. All right. Nerd with a clock and a mustache. What would you like to establish about Professor Hamilton Paradox? Okay, nerd with a clock and a mustache. Immaculate time traveler. He's been all over the timeline. Okay, sorry, this is just gonna be like super obscure, but on April 17th, he always returns to like whatever the current timeline for him is. So like you're always guaranteed to find him in a certain spot in Apex City on April 17th, because every single year he goes to that spot. I like that. Would Do we want to establish what that spot is? I don't know enough of my Apex history off the oh, top of my fine. head. Oh, that's fine. You can just establish so. whatever the hell you want to. Like what is, okay. what, what, let's put it this way. What is this location? to him. Why this location? So it is a botanical and memorial garden. There is theory that someone he cared about is memorialized there, but nobody's sure who that is. Just making some notes here. And I will tell you what, if anything, is different than you remember. This is way outside his normal mode of operations. Paradox doesn't usually contract out to other villains. Paradox is kind of a megalomaniac. He wants to be in the spotlight. Makes sense. The fact that he is hiring someone to do something is very out of character for him. All right. Well, then I'm just going to keep pretending to be um, Desi's current arm candy, evidently, and just like, come hang out. Desi has a seat across the table and looks over at him. Yeah, I didn't actually get the thing, but I did create a hell of a distraction. And he holds up a hand. Yes, I'm aware. I took advantage of it. I have secured the goods and as promised. And he pulls what a modern audience would recognize is a debit card, but in this time period, it just looks like a little rectangle of plastic, and slides it across the table. Give it, oh, I say five, six years, that's going to be worth an awful lot of money. Account's not open quite yet, though. Desi looks at it, kind of like, what the hell is this? And then shrugs and, you know, sticks it in their, uh, their front pocket. And then Paradox stands up, walks around the table, and kind of leans down and looks at you. Me? Yep. <laughs> and he's kind of thoughtfully twirling his mustache. You're not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here? And he points at himself, Time Traveler, trust me on this. Something's wrong. And at that point, I would like to get back to Kieran. (laughs) You have made your way into the Kopi Pyramid and through a long series of hallways to a pretty high-tech laboratory. There's all sorts of, like, science arms and big banks of computers, as you do. And as you get in, Dr. Cassiano takes this case and slots it into a table that kind of pulls it down into it. And then you can see a tube on this table fill up with this great nano-swarm gas. He moves over to a computer. Uh, this won't take just a moment. I just have to recalibrate the swarm. And he starts, you know, tapping away. What are you up to? Oh, God. Okay, so, like... Looking at everything I possibly can, I want to find as many ways as possible to completely sabotage this place as quickly as possible. That definitely sounds like an assess the situation. Okay. Oh no. Um, <laughs> here's my first bad roll of the night. That's a four. <laughs> well, mark potential. <laughs> 
you have um, identified definitely a few ways that this place could be wrecked in pretty spectacular fashion. Now that you're in here, it really wouldn't take that much. Matter of fact, you could probably just fry this computer. You've got, you know, you've got the tech skills to do it. And since this swarm is connected to it, you would fry the whole swarm at that point. And it seems like we get a couple of panels where Kieran is maybe considering doing that. But in the background, behind Kieran, we see a silvery ring kind of form in the air. At the end of last issue, we saw two figures on top of a building. And this is one of them. This is a part dinosaur, part cybernetic young woman who has glowing green eyes. And as she steps out of this portal, she throws a hand out, and as she does, it turns into this big kind of T-Rex-looking head and chomps around Kieran. I'm going to need you to take a powerful blow. Cool, cool, cool. That is a seven. Um, I'm going to give ground. What does that look like? Because you see this thing coming at you just like a split second before it actually closes on you. Uh, how do you give ground? How big is this? Like, how much of me is it going to chomp? Probably like torso-sized. I figure Kieran either doesn't react in time or slips up as they're trying to get away and ends up falling more into this so that way they're instead of just being grabbed around the torso like their arm or arms are trapped as well yeah i think that works and i think the uh, opportunity that your opposition is going to get with that is that she's going to extend her arm and pin you down to the floor for just a second and she reaches over towards that tube with that, you know, nano swarm gas in it and crushes the, the glass in one hand. And as she does, that swarm starts flowing up and into her hand and into the circuitry because she is part cybernetic. And Cassiano at this point turns around and just looks horrified. Kieran, what do you do? Can I try to pull the nanobots back using my telekinesis? I think at, some, at this point that would be a directly engage a threat. You could take something from them. I am also, I already had afraid March from last time, so that brings it down to another four. Okay, so first off, mark potential. Yep. So how does how does that look on the page? What are you actually trying to do? Kieran was trying to, like, pull the nanobots back and just basically try to, like, push them together into, like, a baseball-sized, like, cloud. Um, so that way it's more easy to manage and out of Dino Girl's, like, grip. I think what happens here is Dr. Cassiano sees you trying to do that, and he he realizes that this is not working. This uh this dino robot girl actually kind of like flings you across a room and into a wall, and as you are kind of regaining your feet, he charges and just tries to tackle her, and it does not go very well for him. Hextinction grabs Dr. Cassiano kind of by the face and just flings him through a science arm, and he goes hopefully just unconscious as he crumbles to the ground, at which point the vast majority of the swarm has kind of absorbed into her arm. Kieran, you're a little bit shaky. What are you up to? I don't have time to page right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have we established how far my telepathy can go? We have not. Since I know it won't work on stagehand, and even if she could hear me, she would probably just ignore me for her new significant other. Um, <laughs> I want to try and just kind of like 
yell at Stellar with my mind to just be like, Kopi Pyramid now. I'm going to have you unleash your powers for that. Cool, cool. Okay, so this is the part where I fail every roll to make up for the <laughs> fact that I succeeded before. That is altogether a five. And it's oh, not even no. like sixes where I can try to do something selfish yeah. to make up for it. I think how this works is that rather than just targeting this at Stellar from like across town, you're in a little bit of panic mode at the moment. And I think you just kind of instinctively mind blast everything around you. So everyone is getting that message in their heads, right? <laughs> uh, and very, very loud. On the one side, it does seem to have kind of slowed down Hextinction because she's definitely hearing that. And you can see that she's like shaking her head and like kind of trying to, to work out what's going on. So that does give her pause. On the downside, I am going to want to move over to Stellar for just a second. Stellar. Yes. I want to backtrack a little bit. So you got that, you know, possible future villain NBD kind of thing. And you and Olivia are kind of like wrapping up your little tea date. So the question is, what are you up to at that point? I think uh, Takara turns to Olivia and says, you know, it's, uh, it's been a while since we've, you know, spent some alone time together. Would you like to go (laughs) to my place? (laughs) And at that point... I think, is when the psychic wave hits you. <laughs> and, and And Olivia, and everyone else in this square, I am going to have you take a powerful blow. <laughs> how could you? I have two conditions marked. Let's see how well this goes. Ha ha! That's a five! Olivia just kind of collapses, and most of the people around you do. You hear it you know, very, very loud in your head, the voice of Kieran. And it definitely doesn't feel great, but how do you weather this, you know, psychic blow? I think this isn't the first time Stellar has heard Kieran shout in her head. So she kind of like, she's probably like still near a building and like steadies herself against it and like takes like a deep breath to like try and like weather the blow of hearing this suddenly shout in her head. (sighs) Oh no. Kieran's bugging out. And to make matters slightly worse, at that point, in the sky, directly above you, there is a loud crash, like an immediate... So you know when lightning strikes really, really near you and the thunder happens right there and it's super loud and kind of like terrifying? Yes. It's it's that sound. Ooh, Stella immediately draws her sword. And you look up and there is a floating metallic triceratops head... <laughs> about the size of a city block. And I want to get very briefly back to stagehand. How's it going? Great. I'm evidently not supposed to be here. I I thought I was going to go get to go have coffee and have a nice conversation, you know. And Paradox pulls his watch out one more time and kind of looks at it and looks at you two minutes, two minutes late. And he clicks it shut. And you're here and you shouldn't be. You cost me two. Oh, damn it. And that is the point at which the wave hits, and you, on the upside, are not affected by this, but you can still feel it. You can't get, like, the full force of it, but Paradox just passes out, as does Wolf Spider. (laughs) Wolf Spider is 100% out. Paradox (laughs) is kind of very shaky, like, holding himself up by the table and trying to keep it together, and he looks at you... Oh, this is going to be very bad. I need you to do me a favor. And as he says that, there is a kind of a low bass rumble, and then this silvery hole opens, and 
a hulking form covered head to toe in silver cybernetics with a cowboy hat uh, at the top steps through and grabs Paradox by the face and just smashes him into the floor. And then he looks over at you. How's it going, Mal? Masks A New Generation is written for Magpie Games by Brandon Conway. It is made of pouches, guns, and glowing everything. If you haven't bought it by now, please do. Kieran is played by Vanessa Haas. You can find her being a delinquent on Paradigm Academy on LGBT&D as Jack the Janus, as various roles on Tabletop Roulette, or on Twitter at AlpacaMyBooks. Stellar is played by Charlie. You can find Sir on Twitter at Magical underscore Pride, and Sir Podcast, Precure Podcast Engage, at Prepod Engage. The Gambler is played by Charlie Shermer. You can find her on Twitter at ChatterboxCharles, or as the voice of many beautiful disasters on Real Fantasy Encounters, at RF Encounters. Stagehand is played by Landon Cornell. You can find him on Twitter at OccasionalGM, or on his own podcast, Shadows of St. Fleur, which you can find at St. Fleur Pod. Apex City is GM'd by Jeremy, who also writes the music and edits this podcast. Our album art was provided by Fitzsimmons. Find them on Instagram at Fitzonomy. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that feet aren't. Find us on Twitter at ApexCityCast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next issue.